Howdy folks, welcome to the Ronin Rabbit, a Usagi Ojimbo fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore, and take heed, there will be spoilers. Now you can get in touch with me at Teal Productions on Twitter. Teal is T-E-A-L. I post the episodes on the Usagi Ojimbo fan page on Facebook. The website that the episodes are posted at is bigtimenoise.com slash Rabbit. You can leave comments there. Or the email address, usagipodcast at gmail.com. Now I'm looking at Usagi Ojimbo Color Classics, number 7, the last of this volume from IDW, cover dated September 2020. The story is a two-part story, although for us it's presented as one uh, narrative. Lone Rabbit and Child is the title. Now, I first spoke on this in episode two of the show, way back in, I uh, posted that June 11th in 2011, 10, almost 10 and a half years ago, man. What a rather long journey we have been on so far, and we may be halfway through, maybe. Now, if you want to find reprints of this, it originally appeared in Albedo Anthropomorphics, from Thoughts and Images, issues three and four, dated April and July 1985. Those are the originals. Now, it has since been reprinted in the Usagi Ojimbo Summer Special 1, Classic Usagi Ojimbo number 1, the aforementioned Usagi Ojimbo Color Classics number 7 from IDW, the Usagi Ojimbo Book 1, The Ronin Trade Paperback, Usagi Ojimbo Origins Volume 1, Trade Paperback, which is from IDW, the Usagi Ojimbo Special Edition, which is a two-volume hardcover set that was put out from Fantagraphics. So, any or all of those places, hopefully all of those places, since I'm looking at something that's supposed to be accurate, are where you can find reprints of this. Now, in this story, we find introduced to us for the first time Tomoe Ame and Lord Noriyuki of the Geishu clan. Usagi, of course, is, is in his own story. We also have Lord Hikiji, Lord Hebi, and Hanso, who is the head of the Nikko ninja clan in the story as well. Now, this opens for us with an image of Tomoe Ame and Lord Noriyuki uh, walking away from an attack, or several attacks actually, where retainers of Lord Noriyuki have been waylaid by people attempting to stop them on their journey. And slowly but surely, all of the retainers are killed except for Tomoe Ame. It is her job to take Lord Noriyuki to Ido to be officially recognized and become the leader of the Geishu clan. Now they walk into a, they being Tomoe and Lord Noriyuki, a small hut, a resting hut, a, a traveler journey person's hut. And Usagi, we see, is already here. He's sitting off to the side, his stuff stacked on the wall behind him, his shoes off, and a small dog there accompanying him, apparently guarding. Now, Tomoe is kind of on edge, so the very first thing she does in greeting is uh, draw her sword and attempt to probably kill, more than likely behead uh, Usagi. He stops her with the patented clap maneuver, where they clap either side of the sword, and then he twists, wrestling her to the ground, although she does not relinquish... um, well, no, she she does release the sword because of the torque on it. There, I was, I was kind of surprised at first that that move didn't wrest the sword out of her hands, but it did. Because here in another panel, we see it lying on the floor. But Lord Noriyuki jumps up, 
and, and explains quickly what is going on, at which point Tomoe apologizes, asks Usagi, you know, to try to explain that, that he's not a foe, and he does so to their their satisfaction. In the midst of their discussion, though, we see a gathering of ne'er-do-wells, about five, six, eight of them, uh, outside demanding that the boy be sent out because they want to kill the boy, and thus the belongings of the Geishu clan will be divided amongst other clans. Usagi, um, here with a kind of a patented move, but kind of a, a cool-looking thing, we see him in profile as he's talking to Tomoe Ame, he holds out his hand to silence her, and his other hand thumbs the sword slightly out of the scabbard, his um, katana. So he steps outside, identifies himself, asks who they are. They tell him to uh, yeah, basically kiss off. A fight ensues before Tomoe can come out. Usagi has dispatched all of them. Usagi decides that he will travel with them, seeing that obviously now uh, he realizes they need help. They come to an end, an end, excuse me, an inn, where the three of them bed down for the night. We have a, a further explanation of the uh, history of Tomoe and the history of Usagi. This being Usagi's second appearance, it's, you know, it's a big deal for him. Tomoe, uh, you don't know at this point, she could just be a throwaway character. Lord Noriyuki as well, the Geishu clan perhaps never referred to again. Um, those of us, those of you that have uh, read Usagi for any length of time know that that is not the case. Uh, these people, uh, the Geishu clan, become kind of a, a fundamental part of Usagi's story. Usagi's um, discussion of the battle at the Adachigahara Plains, um, that also becomes, well, I mean, it is fundamental to who and what he is, but that gets repeated over and over uh, periodically to where it, it becomes as big a part of who Usagi is for us as is his um, his swords, uh, the fact that he's a white rabbit, uh, the, his top knot, Konomagi being the his ears, you know, etc., etc., all of these things. But this story also... Um, I do notice that the Tokage here look less friendly and more kind of scary-like in several instances. They get kind of smoothed out, rounded out as uh, Mr. Sakai continues to draw them. But our three, um, I guess, protagonists would be the best word for it, are journeying, well, four if you count the little puppy, are journeying trying to make the river to cross the river or cross a portion of ocean. Uh, no, river. Trying to cross the river. Well, just as they're getting to the river crossing, they're way late again. Two, four, six, eight more thugs. Usagi stands in between, tells Tomoe to take Lord Noriyuki on, and he will hold them off, which he does. But also, we find out that the ferryman is not a ferryman, but is another thug who is pretending to be. And so when Tomoe and Lord Noriyuki get near, he attacks them, sending Tomoe into the river to be washed away. Just as he's bearing down on Lord Noriyuki, uh, Usagi rushes in and uh, visually, physically, literally separates the um, pig. Yeah, or the boar. The boar's head from his shoulders. Um, later on, we don't necessarily see this level of uh, graphicness from Usagi. Not that it bothers me. I mean, either way, I understand the period and using swords, you're going to kind of see things. So doesn't doesn't matter to me, but I, I understand that uh, the need later on down the road, perhaps to soften some of the aspects of the life that Usagi's living to make it, um, you know, a little bit more palatable to a wider spread of audience. 
Noriyuki and Usagi, Noriyuki wants to grab a boat and immediately set off after Tomoyame, but um, Usagi realizes that that's not going to work. What we'll do is we'll start walking the shores, and hopefully she will have washed ashore because the river's too swift. We won't catch up to her. It, it doesn't work like that. Ultimately, they do find her uh, on shore, washed up. She's barely alive, barely breathing. Usaki says he can make her better than she was. Um, he says he's going to invest six million yen in... No, I'm kidding. They start a fire, and Usagi nurses her as best he can, gives her some traveler uh, medication, field dressing, you know, whatever you want to call it. But he realizes that it's not going to be enough. So rather than continuing the journey to Edo, which is ultimately where they're wanting to go, um, I apologize if I didn't say that before now, but that, that is the journey from this traveler's lodge where they first met. They're on their way to Edo, and that's ultimately where they're trying to get... Uh, they stop at a small town named Narai, I believe, N-A-R-A-I, Narai, where Tomoe is administered to by more professional peoples. Um, they're taking a rest. She wakes up, her last memory being the attack on the river. So as she wakes up, that's where she is. Noriyuki and Usagi talk her down from the edge, explain everything to her. Ultimately, Usagi decides. Uh, Tomoe isn't too keen on it, but... Uh, she realizes that that he is he is correct in his uh, assessment that she needs to stay here and rest. But it's too dangerous for Usagi and Noriyuki to just stay there and rest as well. So they're going to proceed on while she rests here in this village, in this inn that Usagi set up for her. On the way out of town, we see an Easter egg here. Or actually, it's not necessarily an Easter egg. It's more like, you know, kind of a, a poking the eye as Usagi and Noriyuki are walking down the street and they pass this dude with long hair and an orange tunic with a couple swords strapped to his back, a big uh, broken bulbous nose on his face. Usagi thinks ugly barbarian and this dude thinks stupid samurai. Uh, those of you that are familiar, this is obviously Gru the Wanderer, or I, I guess I just should say Gru, um, Sergio Aragonis creation. Uh, Sergio and Stan have a relationship that goes back a little ways prior to this. Stan has worked with uh, Sergio prior to starting his own comic book here in Usagi. So there's a, uh, I guess that would be an homage. Um, moving on, they come to a Usagi and Noyuki come to a bridge where they are waylaid by several ninja. We find out that these are Nico ninja being led by Hanso. Uh, much Sword fighting ensues here. We see a Kusarigama used by one of the ninja. <clears throat> Excuse me. That is the uh, Kama or the curved uh, sickle-like attachment with a long weighted chain coming off the end. And it, it's used to very successful effect because um, initially Usagi has the upper hand as he quickly dispatches three ninjas who conveniently line up in front of him in a row and allow him in one long horizontal slice to terminate the three of them. I thought that was kind of a bad move on their part, but uh, they didn't realize it in time. I think they know now, and the next time uh, when they come back as, you know, I don't know, uh, field mice wielding swords, they'll know not to line up in that kind of formation against an opponent. But next, someone does uh, use the Kusaragama to uh, entrap Usagi's sword, rip it out of his hand, which one can assume is primarily what he's fighting with is his katana, so it gets separated from him. He quickly reaches into his sash and pulls out his wakasashi to continue his attack. Another ninja, or perhaps the same one, 
uh, throws down that weapon, holding a sword in one hand. He reaches back like he's going to draw another sword from a scabbard that is strapped to his back. But instead, it contains a powdery substance that is now the the... Um, the scabbard that it appears on his back is more than likely just a tube containing this powder, and he's hot it, holding it on his back. He's got it strapped horizontally, uh, uh, diagonally, excuse me. He pulls the handle out of the bottom, which at this point is now filled with whatever the powder in the tube is, and he slings that on Usagi, which unfortunately looks like, very very similar anyways, to a lot of the blood spatters that we see throughout the story uh, as Usagi has been dispatching the ninja. So realistically, it's releasing with a chuff, probably some sort of pepper or something like that, but if you're reading quickly, it can look like the blood of his companions you know oh he uses the blood of his companions to blind his adversary but that's that's not actually what it is so thus blinded i'm i'm sorry that i'm just thinking out loud as i'm flipping through this talking to you guys about it if if that all seems kind of weird sorry usagi blinded tries to escape but doesn't and just as hanso or let me flip back here I believe it's Hanso, actually, still, yeah, uh, is about to dispatch Usagi. Noriyuki runs up with a sword and stabs him through back to front. Some retainers do arrive on scene from Ido. Um, they started looking for Noriyuki when he did not arrive on time, and so they have caught up further protecting Usagi now that he is blind, but doesn't matter. He's dispatched the ninja, probably about eight or ten of them here on the bridge. Usagi and Noriyuki safely arrive at the Geishu mansion in Ido. A week later, Tomoe shows up uh, inquiring of Noriyuki where Usagi has gone. Noriyuki indicates that he is gone. So she rides off immediately, which is kind of funny because, I mean, it's a week later. She's not going to run into him. But she rides off somewhere until at it is night and she's looking out over the uh, the the landscape there and she thinks to herself thank you for my lord's life our last panel of this portion of the story there's a one page epilogue of uh, five panels here but the final page of the story is uh i think probably a print that we have seen of usagi standing uh, right side of the panel looking across the panel at a large full moon up in the sky the ground is grown up a little bit where he is standing and there are some flowers around him so I think that's alluding perhaps to the fact that he is standing in a field of flowers, although only some are drawn. In the epilogue, we see a meeting between Hebi and Hikiji, where um, Hebi gets to admit to give a report about his failure. Well, not his failure. They, they lay it at the feet of Counselor Narai, who is another uh, subordinate of Lord Hikiji. Names are passed around... Uh, Hikiji, who we find is human. Uh, Hebi is a giant snake, for those of you that may not be familiar, although I believe I just spoke of Lord Hebi last episode, actually. A completely different story, but uh, interestingly enough, he was in that too. doesn't pop up all that often, but he, he does somewhat. Uh, this is his, I think, first appearance here. But we, we get names, Hebi, Hikiji. Um, Hikiji learns about Mayamoto Usagi by name, so that will turn out to be a name over the course of many, many stories that is kind of a thorn in his side, in Hebi's side, uh, Hikiji's side. Well, Hebi's side too, actually. 
So in the story, we were introduced to the word Yojimbo, uh, which is used as bodyguard here, and Shugiyosha, which is a student warrior. That's what Usagi feels he is after the death of his lord, rather than thinking of himself or referring to himself as a ronin. It is a Shugiyosha. And that is the second and third appearances of Usagi Yojimbo collected together in one issue here. It is the last of the Color Classics volume. This concept will continue on, but it will be named differently in the next volume and yet another name in the third volume. Um, as I said, that's, that's just kind of annoying because it makes keeping track of individual books and reprints and trades and things like that that much more difficult. I think Color Classics would have been a good name because that tells you exactly what it is. It's Usagi Ojimbo in Color Classics. Classic stories. That, you know, you wouldn't necessarily know that it was starting at the beginning, beginning per se, throwing up the quotes here, but you know, you'd get a much better idea of what this is rather than um, off the top of my head, I think the second volume just had kind of a generic name and then the third volume takes the name of the story that it is writing. So... You have, yeah, I just don't think marketing-wise that that was very well chosen. I think that's uh, everything that comes to mind for this book, guys. Next issue, uh, episode, excuse me, I'm going to be talking about uh, Usagi Volume 3, Issue 49 from Dark Horse Comics. So thanks a lot for hanging out with me for 20, 25 minutes or so. I'll talk to you guys next. Then, however you want to put it, ciao.